You love to learn, grow, and improve yourself, but you're still not where you want to be? The right mastermind can be the ultimate secret weapon when it comes to personal development, but trying to find the one that's built for you isn't always easy. Welcome to The Mastermind Effect, the one and only show that focuses on helping you cut through the noise, invest in yourself, and move past your natural limits. This is everything you need to know about masterminds, brought to you by your host, Brandon Straza. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show where you know I believe the only way to unlock your potential is to tap into the experience of others. And today, to help us do this, we have got Kim Solez. Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Hey, for the listeners out there, when they're like, dang, you know what? I really want to connect with Kim and uh, learn more about them. What is the best way for them to reach out and uh, connect or learn more about you? Well, there's a website, justmachines.com, just as it sounds, J-U-S-T machines.com. And if you click about, then that'll sort of take you to everything else. And on YouTube, I'm just Kim Solas. There are 1,500 videos there. <laughs> I, I don't advise watching them all necessarily, but you, you, you could watch those that are in your area of interest. There yeah. you go. There you go. And if someone was like, you know, hey, what is Kim's superpower? What would you tell us your superpower is and what you've done over the last 75 years? So openness to experience and um, low neuroticism, not worrying about things that don't need to be worried about. And I've had a recent personality test that proved that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I wouldn't have known before. If you'd asked me that a year ago, I would have hemmed and hawed and not had an answer. But now I have much more understanding of what makes me tick, you know? So, yeah. That's, you know, it's really helpful for the, not only for you, but then the people around you and how you communicate and how you work with someone is to have that understanding there. And what, what I really heard, <laughs> at least how I pertain to me was you, you go at things um, without worrying about specific details that might not impact you or that aren't, you know, to where you're going for. And you look at them from a, a, a lens of a childlike eye. You're willing to learn to open into, even if you know something, still hear it as if it might be the first time. And then how do you implement that as, you know, the future is going to belong to those who still learn and can actually, they can cut out the noise, bring in the signal for what's actually important to them. So love it, love it. Yeah. But also there is no upper bound to how big you can think that the scale of your potential activities and, and, and so on. A lot of people just assume that that there is some limit or that they can never go beyond what their friends and family do. But that's really not true. I mean, the world is your oyster. If you end up working on something important that nobody else is working on, you know, a life without precedent, if you pick a path that nobody else has taken, it's actually easier than following a path that other people have taken where you, you can be measured every day, you know, how you doing and whether you're going faster or slower and doing it better than somebody else. If you're doing something no one's done before, there's, there's no way to judge you, right? Yeah. However good it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, let's, let's talk about learning. When, when you and I were younger, we learned from our textbooks, our teachers, the people around us, our coworkers, our friends, our family, but that's literally a sliver of what's possible. How has your learning changed from your early years versus today? 
Well, I think, you know, devices and AI have changed everything. So I'm a lot smarter with my phone and my iPad and my computer and so on than I would be alone as just a biological human without anything else. And everybody else is sort of the same as that. And part of life skills today is figuring out how to make all that efficient, you know, and, and, and what you still need to remember and what you don't need to remember anymore. Yeah. And, and um, so that's going to proceed very quickly because uh, even if biological humans are not getting smarter uh, in, in terms of their own brains, you know, the computers are getting faster, uh, smarter. And so in uh, eight years, the prediction is machines will be as smart as individual humans. And in 14 years, as smart as the whole aggregate human race and take over the future agenda of the world and so on. So, you know, this conversation, really, we've got a lot of choices. We we can think about this in terms of the future and futurism. Then we, we can generalize it to just business. And then we can generalize it just to life, you know? People don't want to talk about the future or think the future is a cult, you know? Well, you, you can bring it down to just business or just living your life. Like, I think a lot of your listeners may believe that life peaks at a certain point and it's all downhill from there. And me at the age of 75, I must have hit that peak a long time ago. So I'm like past my best before date. But actually, that isn't my my experience at all. I think the, the, the best of my life is still, you know, ahead of me. And there's lot, lots of evidence that my life just keeps getting better and better. And the signs of aging that, you know, this pain you have today is never going away and you're old now, that just hasn't happened. I mean, I get aches and pains like everybody else does, but the surprising thing is they don't stay. (laughs) And there's there's no persisting thing that reminds me that I'm old. And that's certainly different from what I thought old age was going to be like, where you got all these things every day you can't do that you used to do. And, you know, uh, unpleasant feelings of this and that, and it's just there forever, you know? Yeah. And, and that isn't, that isn't the case. Yeah. I'll be on a call later on today and, you know, on a weekly basis, I communicate at least with an individual who turned 70 this year. And one of the, one of the brightest, sharpest individuals, the, the thing that differentiates him from me amongst all the obvious things and his accomplishments and who he is, is, is really the number. If we look at the number now, there's a lot of other differentiating um, items for this individual. He's, he's, I call him my corner man, Dr. Jeff Spencer. He, he, he's accomplished so much and he has so much more to accomplish, but it's his experiences, his experiences. He knows things before I could ever know them because he's, he's got that being able to look around a corner about what's going to happen next. And I think that's a big thing. If we take away how we look, if we take away what the number is being our age, you know, our skin wrinkles, it does its thing. And the number continues to increase. The biggest differentiator, I think, in people is their experiences. 
and yep. how they can share and, and, and relate to other people on their experiences. Now, I am definitely not diminishing you or Dr. Jeff Spencer uh, when I say the age, you know, because again, the, one of the biggest ones is what your experience has been. How could I have had the amount of experiences that you have had? Yep. Impossible. But some of it's also instinct. And so, like, I, I, I don't want your listeners today to think that my life is so different from theirs that nothing I say is really re relevant. Because if you think about instincts, you know, those immediate kind of feelings you have about things, my instincts could actually be very similar to many of the people listening. And it, those instincts have a big impact. The thing I'm known for, it, it, it's sort of uh, probably not mainstream for most people listening, but in medicine and in transplantation, there's transplant pathology, where you're looking at, you know, pieces of the transplanted kidney, trying to figure out what to do next. And I started the worldwide classification for that 30 years ago. And how did I start it? Did I like put my name on it? And, you know, say, let's, let's make sure everybody knows where this came from. No, absolutely not. I, I gave it the name, the Banff classification. And the reason I did that it's not only the BAMP's a beautiful, inspiring place, but it's too small to ever have a medical school, right? So there's never going to be like a big medical establishment in BAMP. There just isn't room for that. So giving it that name means the whole world can kind of own it, right? And, and the BAMP classification is equally useful to everybody in the world. Now, that's not something that, that I sort of pondered, oh, what shall I do? I just did it from the you know, beginning. And there are many other sort of crucial decisions. And you might say, well, why is that important? Why didn't you name it the Kim Solas classification? If I had, there would be many competing classifications. But this is the only game in town worldwide. There is no other transplant pathology classification. And I think it's because I, I gave it that neutral name that everybody could actually embrace. And I did not spend a lot of time thinking about it. It was completely, you know, instinctual. And I think many of the other big decisions you make are sort of like that. It's not that every time life faces you, you with a big decision, it takes you 10 or 20 minutes to decide what to do. Sometimes it takes you a few seconds. And then that sort of defines things for the next 20, 30 years, you know? So it's, it's exciting to think that what I did there, given that important entity I was creating, a neutral name that could be equally owned by everybody, is what other people listening would also have done as a kind of instinctual thing, not that as, as something they had to ponder and think about it. Shall I do this? Shall I do that? Yeah. And the openness to, to experience and, and not worrying about things began when my life began. When, when my father first saw me in the newborn nursery, first encounter, you know, there are all these kids li lined up. And the ones on, on the right and the left of me were, were crying and looked re really unhappy, <laughs> smiling and bopping. <laughs> this kid is going to be something else, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I, I love, you know, going back to what you're talking about, how you how you named it. 
you weren't looking for the notoriety. You weren't looking to sit there and say, my name is going to live in a legacy based off of the name. You know, someone came to me in the last year with what we're building with success. And they said, do you need to have the credit for it? Do you need to be the, you know, it's all about you. I said, no, I literally don't care. I wanted to create something that had a bigger impact that has that ripple effect and having my name behind it on it, all about it wasn't the purpose. And, and when we realized that the world is bigger than us, and it's not surrounded about on us because of social media, the possibilities really open up and who you can connect with, who you choose to learn from, and to realize age is truly a number in, in, yeah. in making sure that we continue to take in information. And there, there's, there's more information than ever before. I mean, there's an yeah. abundance of it so where it can be overwhelming. One, one thing, a lot of your listeners may feel that life is extremely competitive. You know, there's always people looking to, to do things better than you can and, and whatever. But at the highest level, that's not true at all. If you look at the highest level of functioning of any things that humans do at that level, there really isn't any competition. There's only collaboration. And and so, like, if you look at the big picture things that I'm doing, we're talking about using AI to solve the big six problems of the human race, you know? So uh, systemic racism, nuclear war, colonialism, COVID-19, all those sorts of big things, right? So no one could monetize that something that big, right? You can't own the an, an intellectual property. But if you succeed in this general aim of getting the whole world fixing those things using AI and blockchain, it benefits you financially because people will come to you for other things, right? So in the long run, you'll turn out fine while not focusing at all on monetizing it at, at the outset. And then if you think about timeless content, everybody listening would realize the best, best intellectual output of human beings falls in that category. It's stuff that's still good 100 years later, right? 10 years later, 15 years later. Whereas when you're creating a company, you can't create timeless content, right? You have to keep morphing and changing your brand to stay you know, competitive. But the most valuable intellectual products we have are timeless content. So somebody needs to be doing that. So I'm very proud we, we have videos that are more watched now than they were 10 or 15 years ago and don't contain anything that is wrong. You know, we, we somehow had the insight to, to make a video 10 or 15 years ago where every component of it is still true today. And yeah. and uh, yeah, there are not many people trying to do that for the obvious reason that they think life is so immediately competitive at every moment. So, you know, you can't stop and create timeless stuff. But yeah. somebody needs to be doing it. It takes time. The word timeless means it takes time for it to become yeah. timeless. It doesn't have, yeah. I, yeah. We, we live in a society of, you know, instant or insta famous and, uh, you know, we think that that carries to the next and the next and the next. And that's really just for that moment. And, and those that want to leave that legacy, leave that impact, realize it takes time. And maybe it happens, sure. maybe it doesn't. But when we solve a problem uh, and, and when we, we help people, money becomes the byproduct of solving a problem, of, of, of going right. out of our way. 
Let me simplify this a bit for your listeners. Let me talk about the Finnish government and Yuval Noah Harari and me, right? So those are sort of the the biggest impacts that I've, I've had. The Finnish government is very proud of how nimble Finland is. It's this little small country can turn on a dime. So they decided their country is going to be the best in the world at AI. Created a national AI course, opened everybody, including people people from the outside. So I took the course and I noticed one page that says it's very comforting. You know, we have your back. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about AI becoming smarter than you are, taking your job. No, no. For every self-improvement step, the AI will need our approval. And we'll have a committee of people just like you to make that that decision. I thought, this is ridiculous. There's no computer scientist in the world who thinks that's what um, self-improving AI means. So we We did a video about that, and within three days, that page was removed. So they did not acknowledge us. Of course, why should they? We're we're (laughs) this small little person out there. They're the government of Finland. But yeah, so so it's it's important not to get confused by the number of views on videos, because that change... It just needed like one or two people at our end doing the video and one or two people at the Finnish government end watching it and deciding maybe we should take that page down, you know. Sounded good to us, but maybe it's not. Yeah. So and 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 similarly, I, I won't go through the details, but Yuval Noah Harari, his sort of approach to the world how he describes himself, how he tells you what you can do as an individual. All those things have been changed by input from us. And and he's a very flexible guy. So it's really worked quite well. And I I think there's no situation where he pointed out something in need of change that he didn't change it. He, he changed every single thing that we suggested changing. And it's funny, when you look in the front of any book, you know, it has these promo statements. And his second book, <laughs> Omadeus, has, has a quote there from Huffington Post, says, Yuval Noah Harari is so articulate, you can't even begin to argue with him. And it's in ball print. And I most people just look at that and say, okay, well, I guess I won't argue then. So it, it, it made it very profitable then for us to say, well, <laughs> I guess he's not getting much criticism. Let's see what we can improve. But it's not a matter of how many total views those videos got. Just took a, the right people at the two ends, and, and then you've had a major impact. And the same is true with everything else that I'm doing. I mean, we have some videos that have 7,000 views. That's great. But it's not as important as the question, what big things have we actually changed in the world? And some of those things were changed by videos with a relatively small number of total views. It just happened to be the right people, you know, (laughs) What do you see as the next big thing that really is going to impact from an educational standpoint when it comes to artificial intelligence? Well, I I think marrying AI and 
blockchain gives you a, a kind of uh, agreed upon history and, and sort of uh, numbers and, and data that people can't change, can't mess with. And so I think that's that's a very important feature. If you just looked at AI by itself without blockchain, then you, you can say, well, in, in uh, reinforcement learning, isn't it true that the um, AI can actually hack its own reward and, you know, mess things up that, that way by finding a short circuit where it can get rewards without doing the things it was supposed to be doing? So, you know, blockchain could actually prevent that. So that that's that's so so it really takes three elements. It's human beings, and AI, and blockchain working together. Yeah. And when most people they hear blockchain, they probably think of cryptocurrency. They think of you know what's behind Bitcoin or Ethereum yes, or, and, or shit uh, coins or whatever it is. But when you hear blockchain, there's toy- other there's other applications beyond what most people think about that. Yeah, non-fungible uh, tokens. A lot yep. of uh, artwork are, are are being turned into very valuable commodities. That way, you you create something that cannot be duplicated that you can own own a part of. Um, yeah, and and in a world where the number of falsehoods uh, easily accessed online just seems to go up and up. It, it becomes important to try to figure out how are we going to keep track of the truth, you know? Yeah. So that, that, that's, that's one of the very positive features about, you know, blockchain and, and the, you know, distributed ledger. Maybe people won't know what that, that is, but that explains sort of the background of, of why these things cannot be changed. And, you know, there are, there are multiple computers and, and, and so you, cannot mess with the data. And yeah, you can't break the stamp. You can't peel it apart yeah. and sit there because yeah. once you do that, you know, it's a contract in there. All right, as we're coming close to the end here, what do you, you know, in times of prosperity, the winds come easier. Yeah. But I think ingenuity and creativity come when we feel the squeeze. And the world's still feeling a pretty big squeeze out there. <laughs> Excuse me. What are you working on right now that's going to take place over the next 12 months that excites you? Well, you know, it it's kind of interesting. People thinking about keeping on top of their email, they may think, gee, you know, it's getting so hard. And, you know, I, <laughs> sometimes wonderful things happen when you don't keep on top of your email. On May 26, I sent academia.edu a proposal for a new course that I, I was going to do there, basically for the general public on how AI and blockchain can save humanity from itself and soon. And so um, I uh, sent off this two-minute video, and then I sort of checked my mail the next day and so on, and then weeks went by, and I had the impression they didn't respond. And then I got this plaintive email and said, we actually accepted your course two hours after you sent this video to us, but we haven't heard from you. Do you still want to do it? <laughs> this is such a favorable thing because it gave me time to do the, all the other things I was doing during those weeks. I think if I had known they accept me, accepted me right away, would have started working on the course. And, you know, I had a bunch of other things to do. So it just turned out perfect. And it made them think, 
that, boy, I'm just a really busy guy. I received this life-changing email. I just ignore it, you know, and go on to the next. And that's not the first time that that's, that's happened. So what I'm saying is not only is are humans adaptable, but life itself sort of does things that favor your future. And so the next time you're feeling guilty for not being right on top of your email, yes, that's right, a world without e- email. Yeah, there's also a world without money. There, there's a place in India, Oroville, where I've been, where they don't use money, but nothing's an absolute solution. You know, I had a fantastic time in Oroville. But a few days after I left, they had a brutal murder there. So obviously, not using money doesn't solve everything, and 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 not using email doesn't solve everything. But there there, <laughs> there are a lot of ways. If if you march to the beat of a different drummer, if you're trying to do something different from what everybody else is doing, there are all sorts of accidental things that'll happen to you that actually make it easier. And, and that's worth pointing out because a lot of people just think that, that, that life is just a series of unhappy accidents. There could also be happy accidents. <laughs> they sort of even out in the end. Last one on here. What is a tip, a tactic, an actual item that if anyone listening to this today implemented it over the next 30, 60, 90 days, they'd see a real impact on their personal or business life? Don't be afraid to live a life without precedent, to do something nobody's done before. Almost every field has a lot of scope for that and and a need for people doing that. And then nobody can judge you, measure you. It's actually easier than following a path that numerous other people have followed. And uh, yeah, I'm a living example that I've done it many, many times. And, and, And you'll find... Yeah, my my career has been a bit different. I'm doing many more things than I think one person would do, but they're all me. I'm the only Kim Solas in the world. Yeah, so that's what I would say. We have got Kim Solas, the AI man himself. We'll make sure that we get that (laughs) video in the show notes. I'm looking forward to, to watching that. Kim, thank you so much for your time today. You're very welcome. Take care now. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Mastermind Effect, your secret weapon for personal development. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share with a friend and leave a five-star review on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe through your favorite podcast host so you won't miss a single episode. You're one step closer to experiencing The Mastermind Effect.